Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Above the Bar podcast, where each week we belly up to the bar with a new guest, find out what they do, who they are, and what makes them great. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Alrighty, folks, welcome back to the Above the Bar podcast. We're doing our Saturday uh, new music, Saturday music artist. I haven't come up with a good enough name for it yet. I'm going to figure something out. I I keep changing the name up on it, like Saturday artist, Saturday new music. Either way, it's open mic Saturday at the Above the Bar podcast. (laughs) There is the answer. I have made it happen. Problem is, uh, I will forget it in about 10 minutes and it won't mean shit anyway. So that's how things work in my brain. So, but we're bellying up to the bar tonight. We have, you know, we all hear this. I want to be an artist. People want to write books. They want to get into movies. They want to get into theater. They think they can sing because the acoustics is good in their bathroom. All these different things. So we had an opportunity uh, to have a gentleman on who is involved in this. He's been an artist himself. He knows how to, how to make music happen, but he knows how to get an album out, what it takes to get an album out, what it means to, to also probably the, in my opinion, the hardest thing to do is tell someone that maybe you got to go back and work on this a little bit more before we go, because nobody ever wants to be told you're right there, but you're not there, you know? So he, he's got that kind of background. He has his own label, next music company. Uh, we've heard some of their artists on here. The amazing Taryn Hadfield was on here. Uh, I'll say it again. Taryn album just released this past Saturday. She reached out to me and told me, uh, I don't remember what chart it was, but hit number 15 on a, uh, internet music chart. It's had, she had almost 2000 people find her on her, uh, Twitch and watch the opening stream just amazing amazing artist so i welcome mr jeff baker of the next or i keep wanting to say the of next music company to belly up to the bar with us how's it going man john thanks so much for having us brother i appreciate you coming on with us um for those of you that were following some of the posts earlier we were supposed to have sammy on sammy had another engagement come up but listen to me sammy's album comes out february 19th am i remembering it right february 18th friday february 18th friday february 18th i'm gonna tell you right now and and i hope she gets a chance to hear this i posted it on another video her music hits you like a stevie nicks kind of a vibe Mm -hmm. like that like you can feel that there's something in there there's a there's a message to be held there but it's so more modern of a sound that it's got a very, that, that Lord Billy Eilish whisper kind of in your ear. But I'm telling you folks, if you haven't heard Sammy yet, the album's going to be called silver. Uh, Jeff, Jeff's putting that out. That's going to be on uh, next music company. And if you're looking for their stuff, I'm going to let Jeff talk here in a little bit. Their website is nextmusiccompany.com. And if you go backslash artist, you can see all the artists they have. But they also have something we're going to talk about called story and sound, which 
I love it. Reminded me of the old school VH1 storytellers uh, kind of a vibe, which I think we've we've lost that in so much music. Uh, so make sure you do that. But let's do some house cleaning. And then we can get into this with Jeff real quick. First things first, as always, folks, uh, we got the big board sticker in a cause. If you're a music artist, reach out to me and I'll tell you how to find Jeff and maybe we can make billions upon billions of dollars together. But to start with, just send me a sticker, send me a sticker. We'll put it up on the board. We'll read about it. We'll tell where people can find your music or your podcast or whatever it is you got going on. We'll talk about those kind of things. So sticker in a cause, you can find us on Facebook, Twitch, Twitter, uh, Instagram, and our Gmail is all the above the bar podcast. Twitter's the only one that's different. It's at above the bar four, but, uh, LinkedIn is even the above the bar podcast. We're on everything. This is on everything, Jeff. That's you know, awesome. We don't miss a beat around here. Well, and you, and you've got two, you'll have two stickers headed your way. You'll have a next, next records sticker. that looks sort of like this. That'll be headed your way. And then we'll send you a, um, a Taryn, a manic pixie dream girl sticker too. Cause we nice. have those, uh, those coming, coming your direction also. So oh, that's, that's see, I just got chills, you know? Yeah. I loved, I like Taryn, she was just so much fun to have one. And she brought yeah. a great audience with her. And she brought a strong Twitch audience with her that I was like, there's a bunch of Twitch followers on here. This is pretty awesome. Yeah, you know, uh, Taryn was one of the first musicians to, to go to Twitch. And I remember the first time that she told me about it. And, it, you know, she said, so it's like, uh, it's like the site mostly for like gamers, I was like, okay, well, so what do they do? And he was like, well, you go and you, you watch people play video games. I was like, what the hell are you talking about? Amen. <laughs> like, yeah. She's like, yeah, you watch them. And I was like, and and so, and people do this? She's like, oh, yeah. And then they like give them money. I was like, for what? She said, oh, maybe they'll pass a level or they'll get the the sort of an anorantheus or something from the you know game you never heard of. And people yes. are sitting, I was like, this is completely batshit crazy and but you know she taryn is so um so down to earth so unassuming she's she's kind of that um if i can say it she's kind of that girl in high school that so many people wanted to talk to wanted to hang out with and never could and so she goes on twitch and all of a sudden they're just like it's the best hang ever and she makes it you know so easy for people and it's really interactive and it's just blown up for her. She, um, the other night at, at, uh, during her album release stream, she had, I think just under 70,000 unique viewers and averaged over, uh, like almost 1200, uh, watchers the entire night. I mean, that's like, that would be like selling out a, you know, a huge theater in, yeah. in town or something like that. And they just love her. And, and she did a really cool thing. She kind of went back and forth. She would, play an acoustic version of the song from the record. And then she'd talk about the production and we'd talk about different, you know, elements that we used in, in production. And then she'd play the album track and it was just, it was super fun. So, and I know she had a blast, you know, coming on here and talking about music. We, and, had, we had so much fun with her and you're already, you're getting some of, some of our folks, uh, Anthony Vorzog's over watching us on YouTube right now on the above the bar podcast. So Anthony, uh, has started labels. Anthony is very heavy in the death metal scene. Nice. Um, so that's it. That's his bag. He is. We talk about it. Um, I love Anthony. There's so much we can talk. Anthony's just fun. Anthony's a blast. And then uh, again, 
th- here's a music mom for you. Uh, crazy aunt, aunt Rose, who her son, <laughs> her son Clay is probably one of the, the wickedest drummers I've ever heard. Very just, cool. um, again, just amazing people. So you're, you're going to get some, some of my music background folks. I think are going to pop one today. So let's kind of get into this. So, um, Oh, before I forget, Hey, if you're, if your media is a little deft tone and, and needs to be a little uprising, I'm trying to think of any other bands that I can think of to kind of go in the music hole scene here. Make sure you reach out to media by dibs, media by dibs. Uh, he'll go ahead and take care of you. If you mention belly up to the bar to media by dibs, he'll go ahead and give you a 10% discount and a free uh, consultation on what your media needs. Uh, we've got a Benjamin Enright. Next Records has some amazing artists. Looking forward to see what they do in parentheses next. I so, like it. I'm digging it. Brother, you do. So so let's kind of get into it. So what's your music background, Jeff? So uh, I grew up involved in music in choirs and piano lessons. And I, I went to and then taught at music camps for kids and all that kind of stuff. And I, uh, I uh, had opportunities to go east to schools, uh, Berkeley and, and other places like that out of high school as a jazz vocalist. And ultimately, I decided um, to stay closer to home and go to a small liberal arts college in Oregon called Willamette University, which had um, one of the best music programs really in, in the, on the West Coast. I mean, the, the university itself was smaller than my high school, but uh, the opportunity to work with um, Dr. Wallace Long Jr., who was one of my mentors there and some of the other faculty. Was, now, who's was he? Something... I, don't, I don't know who that is. Who's Dr. He Wallace? Was, he was he was the director of choral activities and uh, my conducting mentor and a teaching mentor and just a extraordinary a musician who had, had been doing it at the highest level for, you know, over four decades. And so the opportunity to kind of go at the time when I was coming out of high school, I was interested in a lot of different things. And I, I went into college wanting to double major in you know, I was doing like um, political science and music. And then I did something called rhetoric studies and music rhetoric studies is like, thing that you do instead of pre-law at a liberal arts college, you know, kind of vibe. <laughs> um, but ultimately, you know, my, my focus really narrowed just on music. So I ended up studying only music and getting a degree that was, you know, part and parcel to multiple things. So conducting and performance and education and composition, just all of those things. Um, and after, after college, uh, I, uh, decided kind of had a, a relationship that had been going on through college. The relationship ended and I was left not really knowing what to do. We had had a plan together, you know, as two people oftentimes build. And um, so I decided not to go to grad school because I was tired of school. And um, I started to look for opportunities to, to, to do my own record and uh, to try to connect with a label. And I did. Um, uh, and it was the label that I've been on personally as an artist for, um, oh my gosh, I guess it's all, it's 20 years. It's 20 years since I've, uh, that I've been on origin records out of Seattle, Washington and origin is a jazz label. Um, and really was the first kind of indie label to do an artist co-op thing where you would bring them a finished product and then they handled the distribution side of it and the marketing side of things. And that relationship is 
was one of the best of my life. And it's from that, um, you know, being part of that community for 20 years meant anytime I was anywhere in the world, anywhere in the world, including, you know, shows in South Africa or Europe or all over the United States, if I needed a band member, I needed a drummer, I needed a piano player, I needed a horn player. There was somebody on my label that I could call up and say, Hey, we're label mates. You want to play a gig? Um, if I was producing a, a, a festival or an event or something for students, I call people who are on my label. It's like, Hey, come out, do this thing for a few days. And that community aspect um, was really v- invaluable to me. And some of my closest relationships professionally and musically came from being a part of origin. So fast forward to 2019 and I had been working with this phenomenal um, singer and uh, songwriter named Sam True. And I had been her teacher for a while, her voice teacher and, Um, that shifted into me serving as a producer for her on her first project. We went to LA, we recorded the project. It was really good. And I was sitting at home and I'm going, man, this needs something besides just going into the void of self-release, right? So I started to kind of research what opportunities might be available for Sam. And in doing that, I was uh, at the um, San Jose Jazz Festival with John Bishop, who is one of the owners of Origin Records. And I said to him, would you ever consider giving me an imprint? An imprint is a sub-label of a larger label, right? So, um, you know, the big label might be called Sony. And then under that, they have all these smaller labels that do different genres. And I said to John, would you ever be willing to give me an imprint on Origin for contemporary singer-songwriters, for indie pop? for indie rock, for emerging artists. And he thought about it for a while and eventually came back to me and said, I want you to have something that's completely yours. So we will do a distribution deal with you. So I have the benefit of 40 years of distribution partnerships that they have through City Hall, which distributes worldwide, The Orchard, which does digital distribution um, and is owned by Sony. all of these different relationships that he had to, you know, beat the streets for over, over decades um, that we, we have the advantage of using as, as part of next. And so that's what we did. And Sam's record came out uh, at the very end of, of January, 2020. And it was an incredible record. And she got a review in downbeat magazine for the first, oh, wow. her first album, which is extraordinary. And, um, and then a tiny little thing happened called a global pandemic, um, which really. <laughs> Tell me more really, about this global pandemic. Yeah, I haven't I heard I don't of know this. if you've heard. Um, I haven't. Are, Tell yeah, me more. Things are tough right now for, um, uh, yeah, for a lot of people. Um, Must be a West Coast thing. Yeah. It, uh, so, you know, unfortunately for, for Sam's album, uh, a lot of that stunted. I mean, um, radio stations went under, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, people that I was working with in, um, promotion and all sorts of places, all they, they quit their jobs. They weren't nowhere to be found. And um, the landscape began to shift dramatically for artists and things like that. So fortunately for Sam, she is such a transcendent talent that uh, opportunities are continuing to happen for her. Um, she opened for Gladys Knight this last uh, summer. At what? A, at a, I know at a music festival and just brought the house down and she's getting more and more opportunities to gig and, um, we're going to go uh, into the studio hopefully sometime in the next several months and and film her story and sound. And so 
that was the that was the beginning and then from there i i began to seek out um artists that i was interested in in working with and bringing on to the label and a lot of them were people that i knew and had worked with or had met um previously and some of them uh in the case of like sammy um her piano teacher was one of my closest friends and collaborators and he had been trying to get me to give her voice lessons for like a year and a half for free and he kept telling me how talented she was and he's like look you, you should you should work with her you should work with her and um and i said man i i really want to i don't have the time or bandwidth to do anything for free uh at the moment but eventually it came a point where she had enough repertoire that he made Justin is his name. Great piano player, Justin Nielsen. He made this introduction, met Sammy, met her parents and started to talk about what that might look like. And so some of those relationships uh, formed from there. And now we're at um, eight artists. We have, we produce four records from May 5th through uh, like October 5th. And, um, and then uh, several more of the artists are going to do projects next year. And we're, we're off and running with this whole thing. So now as a, as a label is concerned, if I'm hearing it right, we're, we're just over two years old. Yep. Yep. January, 2020 was our first, first release. So first release. we literally just had our birthday on, what was it? Like a, like 12 days ago. <laughs> That's amazing. So, yeah. I mean, and, and to think, you know, 12 days or, or two years, you, you're now got these artists, you've got people, you know, starting to kind of their ears are perking up to who some of these folks are. And you, so I've heard the, the first two and mm-hmm. I haven't heard, uh, God, why did my brain just Al- Alex, Alex Baird, Al- Alex, that's the next one that's coming up. Yep. March. Yep. That's in March, which if I keep up with my, my, uh, repertoire here, we'll find Alex on here. We'll, we'll get him one. Uh, it's but, a her, she's from Seattle. Oh, so they're all out there. <laughs> they, yeah, they're all, they're all, let me think about this. Yeah. They're all West coast for the, for the moment. So, you know, uh, Idaho or, or Boise now, um, Seattle, Portland, Sacramento, um, are just now, now she lives just outside LA, um, is where, where the uh, artists are, are located for now. It, we got amazing music on, on the East coast. You know that, right? I do. And, uh, you know, honestly, like I'm, I'm excited. I haven't, I haven't traveled East except to see my niece and nephew. Um, you know, since, since the start of the pandemic, I used to come out for, um, you know, conferences and festivals in New York and we went, we would go to APAP and just a bunch of, uh, you know, just different ways to see things. And, and then I would go and hit, you know, uh, clubs and see people, but there are, there are a number of, of artists that I'm, I'm interested in, working with and, and, um, and bringing along and, and uh, trying to establish relationships with, with, if it's a fit and, um, and they are, they are located uh, east of the, east of the uh, Mississippi, Mississippi river. <laughs> now, big, big Nate just popped on. Nate, I, I'm with you that our Maryland seafood is the best that's around, but I'm going to tell you, I've had some uh, West coast seafood. It's different. Uh, and I keep telling everyone I want to go up to Seattle to the Puget Sound and have gooey duck. I want gooey duck. Well, and even better than that are razor clams. You ever had Alaskan razor clams? <sighs> I'm going to say no only because I feel like I have, but I couldn't yeah. 
I, I couldn't be like, yeah, absolutely. So you can get, so razor clams are indigenous to Alaska. You can also get them on the, off the coast of, of Washington state and they're incredible. And then down further South on the Oregon coast are empire clams, which are smaller than, uh, see, I'm a blue point guy. Well, you yeah. Know, I mean, blue, it's not, blue, it's not you ever had blue point? wrong. You ever I, had blue think I, I think I have, in, I think I did when I was in Maine Yep. Or blue point, blue point around there. Yeah. We have like blue point and uh little necks. Nate, yeah. I'm all about going out there. We, I got the RV. We'll, we'll get in the RV. I can work. I can work uh, remotely out of my RV and staff companies that way. And we'll, we'll head out there. I have no yeah, fear. You can expense the whole thing, man. It, it'll be perfect. That's the whole thing. Be like, it's for the podcast, <laughs> yeah. but I can do my other job. And my boss is fair, fairly reasonable. As long as, as long as shit's getting done, it's a, uh, that's all that matters. And they all yeah. know, I think all my people know that if it's not getting done, heaven help you. I will, I will come back. Uh, yeah. And, <laughs> and Nate's over here, Maryland blue crabs. Now that's one for you. Yes. I've had Maryland. I love Maryland blue crabs. And the, awesome. the other thing that happened when we went to Maine was, you know, lobster is this mythical thing, <laughs> the rest of the country. And in Maine, it's like, it's like chickens in North Carolina or something. Yes, I mean, 100%. Like it was, I think it was $15 and I had three, three lobster tails, tempura, you know, fried lobster tails and like a basket of fries, like 15 bucks. And yeah, it was you like, know, um, it was incredible. I think I, I think I'm pretty sure I ate, we were there for like 10 days. Guarantee I ate lobster at least once a day, if not. I don't blame you. Twice a day in some form or another. So I love but yeah, lobster. big fan of big fan of Maryland blue crabs, big fan uh soft shelled. Love the soft shell crabs. So that yeah. so that's a whole thing. I just actually we were had friends over. And this is not a food show, folks. We were gonna talk music, but if you if you bring it up, I'm gonna talk about I it. I mean, Sean, look at the two of us. I think food's yeah. gonna come up at some point. It's 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 coming <laughs> up at some point in this conversation. Um it, it I ain't missed too many meals a day in my life. Yeah. Uh, it, and Nate's right there with you. Uh, Sean, can that be steamed like crap? Uh, I never steamed a soft shell, but I've steamed lobsters like crabs before. I actually steam everything. Uh, there's like this whole, I, I have these conversations with folks about shrimp. And they're like, oh, I don't. First off, if you fry shrimp and hand them to me, I will hand them back to you. <laughs> Like that's not that's get not the, the way to go. Huh? This is garbage. <laughs> and if you hand me four shrimp and they're like, "Oh, it's with a side of shrimp," and you hand me four of them, I'm gonna go. Where's the rest of it? Shrimp is ordered by the pound to me. Yeah, totally. And must be se- steamed with apple cider vinegar, one beer, uh, Old Bay, and Vidalia onions. Okay. And when you do that. Uh, when you steam them with the Vidalia onions, what happens is, is I actually have gotten to the point where I almost like the onion as much as the shrimp. Because what happens is, is those onions become almost translucent, but they're still crunchy mm-hmm. from the, all the steam. And then that sweetness gets down into the water and steams up through the shrimp with the yeah. uh, apple cider vinegar. Bro, it's off the chain. And yes, I, Nate, yeah. I you can you can steam a lobster like you steam a crab, absolutely the same way. I yeah. actually don't like them. I I don't like them boiled. I've had them boiled; they're good. We we always va- so my wife and I we vacation in the Cape, 
So it's the same mm-hmm. idea. You go to the Cape mm-hmm. and you're going to get these things. So we'll move from food for a minute. So, and, <laughs> but you're in Boise. Like, yes. I, now, when I think of Ohio, I had a, I almost said Boise, Ohio. Folks, I'm not an imbecile. I promise you. <laughs> Boise, Idaho. I think potatoes. Mm-hmm. Is it? Is it like I've seen the giant potato wagon? I have seen. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Like the trailer with yeah. the big giant potato on it? Yeah. Well, they drop a potato on New Year's Eve in downtown Boise, Idaho. No shit. Instead of a, yeah, instead of a, yeah, you should. You should check it out. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's- but like, like, like do, now out that way. So here in Albany, I just got to ask this question. So, and we have an amazing music scene out here. Uh, yeah. Would love to have you out here. If you've never heard of the egg um, playing at the egg to me, as far as places to see an artist, there's nothing better than the egg. Cool. Um, it, if you ever see the skyline of Albany, it looks like a spaceship out front. Mm-hmm. of the state empire but it's actually the egg and inside of it they have the i saw ben folds live at the egg which was one of the most amazing amazing artists that like it, yeah you can't he's even, a very talented songwriter really it, really talented songwriter but to see him in a venue that all the seats actually they're stadium seating but they go almost straight up Okay. So, so everything is like you're on top of it. Yeah. Like the globe, like the old shake, like the Shakespeare theater, yes. right? Like straight up. Yes. Yeah. That's cool. That's very uh, cool. So you got to get them out there to, to see that. So, you know, but we have tiny hot dogs, not cocktail weenies, not okay. pigs in a blanket. <laughs> okay. They're little tiny hot dogs in little tiny buns. Did they get left in the dryer too long or what's the it, story? Right, like somebody <laughs> shrunk the shit. <laughs> But like that's like a big Albany thing, and okay. it's it's very different than like most. Do you guys have that out there? Is there like something out there that's uh like different in that aspect? Like, huh? This is we all, they all know us for potatoes, but then there's this other thing. Yeah, I mean, I always tell people. I mean, so a couple things. Boise is very different place than. Idaho. <laughs> so what you what you might find when you're in Boise is going to be a little different than what you might find if you travel north, south, east, or west about an hour and a half. Um, but I always tell people that Boise is like if Seattle, Salt Lake City, and Boulder, Colorado had a baby, <laughs> uh, you would get uh, you'd get Boise, Idaho, and so. What I mean by that is that there's a lot of the in like the food scene is really cool here. A lot of um, just really high level stuff has been 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 done here at restaurants. Like um, there's a great restaurant downtown called Kin, uh, doing really cool stuff with food. Um, there's a restaurant called Barbacoa, which is like uh, way too Ooh. hip for me, but if I go at like five thirty, they'll let me in, and that food's <laughs> really good. Richards is a great. Uh, there's just a bunch of really good chefs and so the culinary arts thing is pretty happening um huge emphasis here on outdoor and and kind of quality of life stuff and you know but biking and hiking and fishing and um skiing is you know all that's really really accessible um and then you know boise is kind of constantly on top places to live in the united states the the quality of life is good the cost of living is getting ridiculous but 
traditionally has been pretty reasonable well, everywhere. So like a lot, that. yeah. So a lot of families, you know, a lot of families, people want to start families here. Um, so, you know, those, those three things kind of come together to make um, what really is a, a pretty unique and special part of, of, of the planet. I, I think. Um, so how does that, I, affect, uh, I'm curious, how does that affect the music scene out there? Because a lot of your artists that, and I want to kind of tie this all together because I'm a firm believer that food and music go hand in hand. Yeah. Like, you know, big time artists have crazy writers and it's always something for food. Yeah. Because they want that. You know, you can, we joke around about this and I, I bring food up only because we don't know each other other than 28 minutes, maybe 10 minutes prior to that when we talked before the show. Sure. But we can connect on food. We can, people can connect on music. Yeah. Absolutely. How, how, how is that? And Ben, you're, Benjamin, you're absolutely right. Taryn is a top 20 in the top 20. And it, is that new for uh, next records? He's, he's curious. Of, so we're going to get into that, but, yeah. but that connection, how is that connection for you translated to music? So when you go, when, when you go anywhere in, in the country or even the world, there's, there are elements and aspects in place that help, certain things flourish and grow and other things don't. Right. And so when you're talking about a scene, if you're building a scene someplace, if it doesn't matter if it's food or music or stand up comedy or, um, you know, or theater or whatever, you, you have to have multiple elements going on at the same time to promote that stuff. Um, Boise has never been able to pull that off to become a real music scene because we've never had uh, um, enough high level venues that are accessible to enough, cr uh, like a critical mass of high level artists. And then also an audience that's willing to come regularly and support it. So you've got some great venues here. You've got a, you know, a handful of great venues here. You've got a really great festival um, that just sort of, carpet bombs the city with music for two weeks straight and it's you know for anyone who's a fan of live music it, it's just a, a paradise but sort of like um sort of like when a, a city hosts the olympics if they don't put something in place for after the event right. where it can it can positively impact the the overall uh environment there's very little chance for it to be successful so what you have is you've got you've got some really good artists. They might grow up here or they might come here for college or whatever. A lot of them end up having to go to Seattle. Like Taryn, Taryn recently moved to Seattle or they go to Portland or they move to LA or they, they find just a, a bigger pond where there's a few more of those opportunities. And that's unfortunate. It, it could happen here uh, pretty quickly. There's a, a ri rich tradition of music education in Boise, like, kids get music from a very young age going all the way through school, everybody, um, huge music programs, really talented artists, but is that infrastructure in place, you know, when it's time for them to go out in, into the marketplace and play and, and sell their music, it isn't yet. Um, I hope it does at some point that would be, that would be amazing. Um, but for now, you know, it's, it's mostly about quality of life. It's mostly about, the other things maybe that are going on in a person's life that, that has them here. And then they, they try to, um, you know, create what they want to create and, and go where they need to go to do that. Um, 
So an, a, another example of that is, and a, again, like there are talented engineers in, in this, recording engineers in Boise. Um, there are really good players, all that kind of stuff, but there isn't, there isn't a studio where we could pull off what we, what we pulled off for Taryn's record or Sammy's record or Alex's record anywhere close to, to here. You um, need those we, bigger music cities. We, we have to, we, we had to for a, a multitude of reasons, but you know, the main one was I knew that I could get a world-class engineer in a world-class room, hire world-class artists, and we could do it in a time frame that worked for what we're trying to do. Right. We don't have, you know, you're not flying budget. them, you know. You're not flying them in. You're not like no, and, no. And not for at all. a newer artist, and and this is something I think you're touching on, and, and you tell me if I'm on the right page. We've all heard the stories of, you know, Black Sabbath. The very first album was made in a week, or mm. if you reach out to some of these artists, um, what is it, Foo Fighters? They all went off to this house out in the country <laughs> and they brought all their families and everyone just kind of hung out and they they recorded in one of the back bedrooms. That's not a fucking reality. No, no, it's, it's not. not a re- it's not a reality. And it's it, it's the um, it's the hardest. I think it's the hardest part for an independent artist or an unsigned artist or an emerging artist to really, truly navigate because you the options that are available to most everybody is one you can drop some money at guitar center or sweetwater right (laughs) i prefer sweetwater if i need we don't really have those out here but i know what you're talking about um and uh and you can get you know some decent equipment you can get a decent mic you can get a decent interface you can do everything yourself you can create decent pretty good music and if your songwriting is really good and if you're a really good singer it's going to be better than decent but then you take it and you put it up on a massive site with no opportunity for a broader audience to ever interact with your music. The days of Usher wandering onto YouTube and finding Justin Bieber are gone. gone. There's too much stuff. There's right. too much stuff, right? So part of the business model, if you want to call it that, of Next was, so, you know, if Goodwill were dollars i'd be a billionaire i have really (laughs) great i've got really great relationships with a lot of people who i've been fortunate enough to work with who when i call them and say this is what i'm trying to do i'm trying to create a launch pad for these artists that are worthy of wider recognition but this is what i've got to work with right and every single one of them from the photographer to the engineer, to the other producers, to the musicians who played, they all were like, I'm in, let's do it. They're not making market value. They're, they're, they're a steal at three times what they were paid. But the point is that they wanted to be a part of it because they believed in what we were doing. They wanted to work with these artists. The, the music and the artist was compelling enough that they were interested in going, yeah, we, let's do this. So within those constraints, um, I work with each artist, we craft a crowdfund and we go about setting the parameters of the project scope based on the crowdfund. And we've been fortunate because the artists have been really successful in crowdfunding. They've been able to engage their audiences on Twitch and their friends and family and people who've been clamoring for them to to make records for years um, to help them get this thing off the ground. So um, 
we were able to to do things. I mean, I, I, the thing I think I'm most proud of of these records that are coming out is they sound about three times as expensive at yes. least as yes. as what you know as what I know we were what we, what we spent on them, and that's because of um, you know my my uh, co-producer and engineer that I have been working with Andrew Ching amazing talent and a musician on his own in his own regard so he brings this completely different perspective to things um and the players who played on on the stuff and their willingness to to just be a part of it and then the uh, artist's ability to be um flexible with their stuff to come in with songs and then say okay let's see what happens now that i when i give these over to me and Andrew and these other musicians and what comes about, you know, from that process. And um, it's been, it's been remarkable to, to kind of witness from day one to the end of it um, and to the release. Most of the, most of these albums were essentially finished in about all in about six weeks time. So wow. we were there for, um, we were there doing the proper tracking portion for roughly three weeks and then maybe about a week or so of mixing and production all in and then it takes a couple days to master it um and then you've got graphic designers you've got photo shoots you've got these other ancillary pieces to the puzzle um but that's you know that's essentially the schedule and um you know major major label artists with huge production budgets they're they're taking a year or more to, to make a record. Right. Um, so, but it isn't realistic. And, and uh, you know, this, this model also forces our, our artists to be more clear and organized with their ideas, right? They, they need to come in with a pretty good sense of kind of where they want things to go and then they let go. Whereas, um, you know, when you've got $250,000 uh, to work with to make a record, you can kind of just, try a whole bunch of stuff in the studio you can right. yeah you know, block out time and do what you want and see what happens it, it looks like an episode of uh dave on fx where you know they're they're all in the studio and there's you know with their entourages and everybody's in there and they can just hang out and do their own thing yeah. uh, and, and it's just interesting it almost has a vibe to me of uh when you see like meryl streep in an indie movie that you know you know, there's no, there's no way they afforded to pay her what she is on the market, but is willing yeah. to step in and say, Hey, this is a real quality person, quality artist, quality project that I can get behind and I can put my thumbprint on for, for the future. That's kind of yeah. the vibe I'm getting. Is that kind of how this is all works together? Yeah. A lot, a lot of musicians will tell you that there's, there are three factors to, to any gig they decide to take, right? So there's the money, the music, and the hang, okay? <laughs> and uh, most artists that I know and work with, if two of those three things are really good, they'll take the gig. It's like so, Austin. It's going to Austin. <laughs> yeah. it, it's, it's, the, yeah. it's the music and the hang because they're not going to yeah. make a million dollars. But, yeah, but that's exactly. Austin. Yeah. So um, – so I, you know, part of what I do running this label is I'm, I, I try to seek out people who think that way. And, uh, and I am really honest with them up front. I, I tell them point blank. It's like, look, 
the money's not going to be great, but the music <laughs> and the hang is going to be awesome. You know, do you want to do it? And like I said, I mean, I think of, of everybody that I engaged to be part of these things, I think one person said no. And in my whole career of sort of doing things this way, I've only had one guy yell at me. <laughs> I had one guy, you know, go off on me about, you know, that I was insulting him as a musician and all this kind of stuff. And, I, you know, he got done with his tirade. And I said, I said, you know, dude, there are worse things than someone calling and offering you, you know, $2,000 to play music. Like, I didn't yeah, right. insult you. I, I, I know, I knew when I called you that you're worth more than that. But I didn't insult. It's not an insult right. to offer uh, to pay you to do something. I really I'm so it, you know? I I can't stand that whole mentality of how dare you? Do you understand what my standards are? <laughs> how dare I could educate a young person and provide them with this type of talent? Yeah. Never. Like that drives me absolutely nuts. Like I get it in what I do my day-to-day, -day, my corporate world, yeah. I get it. Yeah. But when somebody comes to me and goes, Murph, I've got this guy. He needs hand with it, with his resume. Give it to me. Let me look at it. Yeah. Here you go. Now, if you want me to get like knee deep, you know, knuckle deep into all this and really like get into it, get into it. Well, that's a different animal. But if you just need my help, fuck it, give it to me. I don't care. Like, that's what yeah. I do. That's yeah. Well, and, yeah. And, and every, and everybody, everybody should know their worth and their value. And you should absolutely stand up for what that is. But if somebody comes to you with an opportunity, the answer is not no and a lecture. <laughs> the, you know, the, 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 the answer is not no and, and a middle finger. The answer is just not, nah, I, I can't do it, but I really appreciate you calling. And that's it. And, you know, if I could teach any young professional anything, a lesson, it's that. It's like, it never hurts to ask. You should always understand the parameters under which you're operating. And, um, but then beyond that, like, it's just, it's a very simple, it's a very simple exchange. It's like, do you want to do this? Here's what I can pay you. Here's what the opportunity is going to be. And then you say yes or no. And you move on with your life. You know, so, Thanks. appreciate anyway. you, man. Here you go. Yeah, uh, yeah, totally. If you ever want me to do music for $2,000, I promise <laughs> you, you're not going to get your money's worth. Yeah. But I will do it. I yeah. mean, if you want. I will. I sang to my son today. Nathan wants to, wants you to know he is a graphic designer also. So if you need to reach out to him, and he's he's an East Coast graphic designer, so you know that there will be your East Coast. And uh, Ben's had a couple great questions. Ben, let me grab those real quick. Uh, Taryn is in the top twenty right now. Uh, yeah, I can't remember what that site is. I wish he was on on the to name it for me, but uh, yeah. So we we work with a we work with a company out of Canada called Play MPE. Play MPE does radio promotion and sort of tracking for our, our artists and major labels all over the world. And I was fortunate enough to meet one of their VPs uh, at a conference. And again, if goodwill were dollars, I'd be a billionaire. So we spent several days together. We got a chance to hang out and had a really good time. And um, he, like everyone else said, look, we want to work with Next and we love independent artists. And so they've put together um, radio promo packages for our artists that oh, nice. they can afford to do, right? Which is just incredible. So um, what they do is they, um, they, you know, you you go on and you sort of pick various lists that you want to service, and those are, you know, anywhere from the jazz lists are smaller. They're a couple hundred stations, 
some of the like top 40 lists are several thousand stations. So um, with Taryn's record, we, we promoted to um, kind of like a retro rock ish um, list. And it's, it's, I don't know exactly the name of it, but it's rock, but it's new stuff that has a little bit of a, like a little bit of a throwback vibe or feel to it. And, um, but uh, the first week that her record was out, it debuted on their uh, airplay charts and it was 15th uh, in their top 20. It was, uh, I want to say four spots behind the Lumineers new record and a spot or two ahead of Elvis Costello. And um, there was several really, really well-known artists on there. And then it's, it's maintained uh, into week two. It was at 20, um, which, you know, for an artist that no one has ever heard of, I mean, they're literally, they're getting her one sheet and her album and they click on the single. And um, for her to be doing that well with, with um, play awesome. airplay is awesome. It's great. Well, so uh-huh. um, yeah, that was our first, and that was our first artist to chart um, uh, anywhere. So, um, which is really, really exciting. So, so and I have, then- I have, I have one request Sorry. though. I got to let you know yeah. this. I have one request and I yeah. tell this to everyone. When Taryn is on the red carpet yeah, and, and you're, you're there also, I'm just, I need to do one legit red carpet event. Like if, if I need to be her personal it. podcaster for a moment, yeah. do you, like, do you have a I mean, tux? <laughs> yeah, look, I did 20 years in the Marine Corps. I'll wear my, I'll shave and wear my fucking blues. If I got, yeah, to. there we go. <laughs> They'll be like, so, well, why is this, why is this man who's obviously not in the Marine Corps any longer <laughs> with this jacket that like the top four buttons don't button and the neck of it is no way is that ever going to close again? Why is he following this girl? It's like, why does that girl have a military escort? Is she like, right. is she like, a Biden? Like, well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> is she? <laughs> uh, that would be so great. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think I honestly believe like she's legit. She is absolutely legit. But I felt that way. I, I, I definitely I hope we can get Sammy to come back one. When she's feeling better, but I'm telling you right now, I think Sammy's legit. Like those are your first two that I've spoke, you know, had an opportunity to speak to. And yeah, the other young lady from June of last year, that was her name was Sam also. Sam True. Yep. Sam True. So yeah, I, again, I haven't got a chance to talk to her, but I mean, so far, and now we've got Alex coming up. And I, I want to make sure because Ben's question was is who's the artist that next records is producing next? Is is that Alex? Yeah. So we have um so Alex's record is is being mastered as we speak. Actually, oh, wow. and we're just going over the, the finishing touches on that, and then we'll get into um, you know the album cover design and some of those you know like I said those ancillary pieces that are coming. But her record will be out um, whatever the third Friday in March is. That's our that's our international release date. It's always the third Friday of the month. So um, that record will come out, and that's like really cool. There's there's some straight ahead jazz stuff she's she's trained as a jazz musician so there's some straight ahead jazz stuff uh as a singer and then she also has these incredible original compositions that are kind of Nora jones meets carol king uh vibe oh, oh. really 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 cool really cool music um and then uh, the last part of her story that's that's fascinating and fun her grandmother was like a really well-known torch singer in the 1960s now what's a torch in, singer Torch singers are like um, they're um, like singers that would sing like old standards and um, oh, okay. uh, you know s- stuff like that. She sang at the World's Fair 
Um, and she has uh, this whole catalog of these incredible songs from, you know, like the 50s and 60s. So we picked a couple of her grandmother's songs, completely rearranged them, and she's going to re-record uh, her grandmother's music, which is just, it was such a cool experience for her to be able to connect with, with you know, an, another generation um, and partly where her talent comes from, right? So um, that's a really cool record. And, you know, it's, it's interesting. All these artists are, are different. They're really, the genres are different and their approach is different. Their life experience is different. The thing that they all have in common, obviously, super, super talents. And I, I, I don't mean that, um, like, I mean, I'm just, I'm just stating really accurate information. All of the artists that I uh, am working with and that we've signed, they all have at least one thing that I go, that that is extraordinary like that thing is better than 99.9 percent of the people who are out working they don't necessarily yet have all of it together because they haven't had the opportunity to put right. it all together but they've got a thing that i know we can build a concept and a record and a sound around and i have a a, a great romanticism for record labels of the 60s and 70s um, like Atlantic and Motown and Capital and Blue Note and um, all these places. And when you were signed to the labels at that time, they brought you into a room. And in that same room was everybody who was going to be a part of your music. All the producers, the engineers, your band, the radio promoter, um, you know, the you know, midge from accounting. Like they're all in the room together. <laughs> they're all going, What we're going to find Ray Charles sound. And we're all going to be in the business of getting, of creating Ray Charles and making his music known worldwide. Then in the eighties, the money thing got out so far out of control that it, all those aspects broke up into smaller little areas and spaces. Right. And, um, and all of a sudden you just have a very disjointed experience. And to the point where we're, we are now where A&R artists and repertoire doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. Most any labels, um, where they're really bringing an artist along and crafting their sound and helping them cultivate all of those things and get, and giving them relationships, right. That they can use for their career. So that's what absolutely 150% what we're trying to do. And so, you know, I, I, I hear these artists or I know these artists or I, I, they come and, and, and bring me an original song or I see them gig or, you know, I knew them like Taryn. I knew when she was in the seventh grade or something like that. So you were the so when she said that my old music teacher reached out to me and yep. told me about this, that was you. Yep. yep. Okay. Yep. I I I was trying to put that together in my head. Like yeah. she said, and she's from Idaho. He's. I wonder. Yeah. Huh. I'm getting big yeah. in Idaho. I just want you to know that I you're know, number I know. three. You're, you're number yeah, you're three. You're blown up. You're, it's awesome. You're my you're my third guest out of Idaho. <laughs> I love that it. That kid, the guy Allegurky Weathers, that uh -huh. from a couple of weeks ago, he was from Idaho, but he's like a place that Taryn knew it. It's like two hours away from where you guys are, and it's like a uh, resort community, some kind Sun of Sun Valley or no, McCall. I don't, I don't know. I'm yeah. not okay. It was yeah, it cool. was so, and he's and again, he was a a music so. Now, the other thing that you're doing with all them that I think is great, and I kind of mentioned this, I used to love 
uh, VH1 storytellers. I thought it yep. was one of the best things. I say it all the time. I have a handful of artists that I will – when people ask me, well, like, what's some of the best, most memorable concerts? Uh, Thompson Twins was a most memorable concert because it's the first time I ever saw an artist make a mistake on stage and thought, well, that's funny, and watch them lose their shit. Yeah. Um, and that was the fe- – I can't. I don't know her name, the, the female from the Thompson Twins. She was playing some kind of chimes uh, from Hold Me Now, and uh, she hit I think it. I've ever seen that. It was like this whole group of chimes she was playing. They all okay. hung down, and she hit okay. one of them, and that bitch came off, and she was madder than a bag of hornets. <laughs> and I was like eight or nine years old, and I was like, ha, that's funny. And, and I knew she was mad, but that was one that made an impact on me. Uh, the greatest artist I've ever seen do a show is ACDC, when all the members were alive. Hmm. Um, I'm going to tell you right now, short of the – the original, original singer who only did the first album, ACDC, live, Angus. Yeah, I can, I can believe that's a good show. Brother, to watch this 65, almost 70-year-old man on his back playing a guitar, getting lifted in the air, things going <laughs> it was incredible. Worst I've ever seen is Metallica. I don't give a shit what they say. It huh. was that, that St. Elmo's Fire album they did, whatever the hell it was called. Okay. Yeah, and every time they played it, a song from that, the entire crowd sat down and was like, "You guys done yet?" And then they would wow. play like, then they would play like "Ride the Lightning," uh, "Kill 'Em All," uh, "Shortest Straw," play something yeah. like that, and the whole crowd was like, Ugh. "Yeah," and it was yeah. amazing. But the other one was Sting, and that's where I tie yeah. this into you. Sting does his show like a storyteller show. He plays yeah. a song, he stops, he talks about it. Tell us about that, Pete, That's this, the story and sound. And, folks, again, nextmusiccompany.com backslash story and sound, the whole one word, story and sound. You can go there and you can see these artists tell the story of their music, where it comes from. Yeah. What What is that vibe for you? So, again, like hearkening, hearkening back to sort of the heyday of the music industry, right? You – you go and you buy a vinyl record and you open it up and here are liner notes, right? A library of liner notes. And then you pick up uh, rolling stone or billboard or downbeat. Um, and here's this feature article. And so now what you have is you've got all of this context to understand and learn and really, really become just a, a true fan of this, this artist because you know all of these things about them and the and the um, the origins of their music. So fast forward to where we are today, where most people consume music via streaming, and there's little to no context. There are it's 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 a it's an album cover. It's maybe a a, a kind of a cool little uh, multimedia video piece of them, just quick sort of lights and you know sort of thing, and there's nothing, there's nothing to give you a sense of, of who they are, or where all this comes from, or, or wh- what it's really about. So there's that piece. The other piece is that, again, in the, in the good old days, if you want to call it that, um, when an artist was getting ready to put new music out, they would hit the consumer four times. <laughs> so they would release a single, and they would charge you for the single, and you go out and you grab the single. And then they would release an EP, which is like just a couple songs. 
and you go out and you grab the EP. And so now you've given them more money and then an LP, right? And finally, maybe a full length album, right? And so that was kind of genius by a record company. It was a way to just, and it was also by a way, by the way, a really easy way for them to test how successful the album was going to be because if the single doesn't do well, the then the next and the next piece like they can kind of judge it's like oh we, we got to rethink this album and they can kind of go back in and, and change so again we're at a point now where um there's there's no monetary benefit to to releasing singles whatsoever for an artist there is also because of the way that you have to pitch your music to um, spotify or amazon or whoever they have such a short window of time where you're eligible to go on and submit a track for playlist consideration, editorial playlist consideration to get followers, to build up the algorithmic stuff that they're using to determine spins. There's almost no benefit if you're going to put a record out that you want people to buy to releasing a single a month ahead of, a month ahead of time. Um, same thing with radio, right? Like if you pay all the money to promote a single to radio and it flops, you're done. You're cooked. Your budget's your budget's been spent, and now you can't grab another song and try again a month later. So, um, what we decided to do was something that we felt like was more in line with the kinds of artists that we were working with and the kind of vibe and and narrative that we wanted to tell as a as a label. And so that's what Story and Sound is. It's there are they're episodic music series where you get biographical information about the artist, who they are as a person, the origins of their music, and then specifically the album that they're creating. And um, intermingled with that autobiographical stuff, those interviews and things like that are live performances that we filmed in the studio, um, which is which is just really cool. Cause again, that's content that um, a lot of artists have to spend a lot of money to get, right? You know, you have to get to, giant film crews and you go to the top of the empire state building and you know, you film all this kind of stuff. And we were able to, we were able to fold it in to part of what we did when we were producing the album. So um, I'm really, really excited. And it's just so cool because you have an opportunity now as a listener to get to know these musicians, like the way that I I've gotten to know them working with them as a producer, you just start to see that they're just such authentic people and really deep, they're, they're deep wells um, creatively, right? There's just a that's lot so going awesome. on there, uh, life experience and things like that. And they're very different. And that's the other cool thing is like, you know, you watch Taryn's episode and, and you learn about uh, her album and Manic Pixie Dream Girl and sort of her coming of age as, um, as a strong, independent, young female artist and what that story was like and, and you know, the pitfalls and the, and the rise and fall of all those things. Um, and then you watch Sammy's episode and you learn about just one of, I think, one of the hardest years anybody has ever, oh God, ever yeah. experienced um, and the tragedy and all that stuff. But the ways that so many people in her community and, and family and friends surrounded the, the family of the young woman who was killed and lifted them up and helped them heal and how Sammy was able to process and, and heal through writing that music and going through those complex emotions. Her sister was in a coma, was in a critical condition for several weeks, how she was able to heal through this process. And so that's another story. And you know, what's this, this is what's incredible about humanity, right? Like 
not every one of us has gone through, thank God, not every one of us has gone yeah, through no. something like that. But every single person walking on, around on the planet has experienced loss. They've experienced heartbreak. They've experienced transition. They've experienced, um, you know, losing a job or, or, uh, or the end of a marriage or all of these, I call them common human emotions, right? They're right. these t- touch points. And so that's what's really cool about the music that the next artists are creating is they, they have these unbelievable access points where you can come in and go, I know, I know what that's like. Like I remember going through something and it felt like that and she's captured that and she's captured it sonically and she's captured it lyrically um, and all that stuff. So that to me, that's the common thread uh, of the next artists and why story and sound is so important because it's not just a, a really beautiful photograph right. on a great album cover and, and really good sounding music. It's, it's this other thing where you, you know something about them that you're not going to know uh, otherwise. You tap into an emotion when you, so, so when you hear, you know, we've all been in that point and you, you hear a song and you're like, man, that I really, I feel the emotion in that song. And then when you know what the emotion, the artist was building for it, it taps into something completely different where maybe I'm trying to think of one in particular there. There's always those songs out there where, you know, people are like, Oh, well they were talking about this or they were talking about that. And that's, that's what they were talking about. I get, you know what, here's a great one. And it's probably not the same with those young ladies, but it's um, the song closing time. That's a perfect example of yeah. not knowing what the artist was really talking about right? until you find out. And folks, if you don't know what closing time is really about, has mm-hmm. nothing to do with an effing bar, nothing yep. at all to do with a bar. If, yeah. if you, if you take your time and you find out you're like, uh, Oh, Oh, or Ben folds isn't, is the exact opposite. His song brick, which he will not do in public anymore. Trust me. We tried hmm. to get him to do it. He won't do brick anymore. Interesting. But there's, yeah. I, now that's one I, w- I got to ask you. Yeah. Uh, and let me read Ben's thing. Uh, ben says, yes, love Sam True, Taryn Hadfield, Sammy Silver, and what comes next. Such great artists at an amazing time. You're absolutely right, Benjamin. You were, you were, Benjamin, you're on this. You're already, you're ahead of the game on everybody else. Make he sure is, you, he's plug, he is plugged in. Yeah, definitely. You are plugged in completely. And now I'm wondering if like Ben, if if Benjamin works there, but I mean, but he's already, he's plugged in. He's got all these folks, uh, just such a, I lost track of what, cause, cause of what he was talking about, but you know, you've got such a, I don't know if we're even allowed to use this term anymore. Stable of artists. Are, are, are we allowed to use that term anymore? I don't, I, mean, I don't think it's, I don't think it's derogatory. I, I don't know, but I don't, luckily I always, you said it and I didn't. So I don't have to be accountable. I, for right. I, I guess, but that's what I always <laughs> thought. I, it's one of those ones. I don't know. Yeah. Cause roster, you do artists, roster, roster, cool. roster of artists. I, I guess we used to always, I always heard it in that term, but I don't know if that's, if, if you can use that or not anymore. I don't, so I don't please. think, I don't think horse racing is, is, is canceled, but I, I don't know. Well, I just it ain't know. canceled in Saratoga, New York. Trust me, yeah. that shit, that shit is alive and well in Saratoga, New York. <laughs> they, that shit yeah. is, you know, it, yeah. and they they get their fair share of uh, everything else. But but I mean, you've just done such an amazing job 
with these artists and put together such a, a vibe uh, with them. But what I, that was the question I wanted to, how do you feel about, you know, not necessarily your artists, cause I don't, they're not in this boat, but what's your feel for artists that won't do the song that put them on the map anymore? So you, you have some of these artists that are like, whatever the song happens to be, they're like, yeah, we don't, we won't do that song anymore. I'm not doing that song anymore. Yeah. Bitch, that's the only reason I listen to you. Yeah. That song. <laughs> well, so I have, I have two stories. I heard, um, I heard Regina Spector in concert a few years ago Okay. and she played a beautiful concert, just her and piano. And she played a beautiful concert. She got to the end, standing ovation. She goes off stage. Um, and the whole, probably the last 30 minutes of her show after every tune, people are shouting, play Samson, play Samson. Okay. It's coming. And she's just ignoring him. She's not, she's not paying attention to anything. And so she comes out, she does an encore. She still doesn't play Samson, leaves the stage crowds, like brings her back out. She sits down. Okay. She's just about to start. And then it's pretty quiet. And someone says again, play Samson. And she turns and she goes, I effing heard you. And then she plays it <laughs> and then she, and then she walks up, you know? And so I was like, Oh, okay. So, <laughs> and to, you know, to your point, we, we don't know what these songs are about. Okay. Right. We don't know. We don't know what trauma people have experienced. We don't know what relationship it was like these, these songs are, are very, very personal to these artists and they become a commodity to a listener Right. And some of them aren't comfortable with it. And I think it's unfortunate. Um, I will say that the, the flip side of that story is if, have you ever seen James Taylor in concert? I've never, he comes up to SPAC every year, but I've never seen him. So uh, another one of my really favorite. I actually almost concerts. bought James Taylor and Keller King. The, I, so I bought a new album vinyl today and I almost yeah. bought James Taylor and Carol King, the vinyl. Yeah. So, so this story is about Carol King. So, James Taylor, also much like Sting, really good storyteller. He, he, he tells wonderful stories. The funny thing is I've seen him three times. The stories are the same. So when he, I mean, it's just, it's like. like it's a process. Right. And, um, but it, it doesn't make them less wonderful. And so at one point in time, he starts kind of meandering on the guitar and he's like, you know, it was such and such. The year was such and such. I was sitting in a bar after a gig in New York. And my good friend, Carol King, came walking in after her performance and sat down. I bought her a drink and all this. And we were talking and she said, you know, James, I wrote this song and, you know, I've, I've done it, but it just doesn't seem right to me. Would you be interested in doing it? And then he pauses for a long time and he plays, keeps playing his guitar. And then he gets back on the mic and he goes, I had no idea that night I'd play this song every fucking gig for the rest of my <laughs> life. And then he... <laughs> Pardon my French. And then he used, and then he plays, you've got a friend. Right. And so there's somebody who has it, has a healthy relationship with it and knows exactly. He's, he's accepted it. Yeah, exactly what it is in, in the pantheon of music and, and in his career. And, um, but I just, and it's so funny when, when he, <laughs> he's, he's very dry, obviously James Taylor, he's very right. dry. And it's just such a, it's a great moment in his show. So, you know, I, I think that, um, uh, I think that if they have mixed feelings about it, when they release it, they shouldn't push it as a single. They shouldn't push it to radio. They should, it should be a deep track. Right. And it should right. be for the people who invest in their record. And, 
Um, and, uh, and if they don't, you know, if they don't want to play it for, for whatever reason, that's their prerogative. I, I just think it's a bit of a missed opportunity, um, you know, from time to time. Cause you're but, connected with your, cause I always think of, yeah. uh, the song tainted love, the big eighties hit yeah. tainted love. So that there's a one hit wonder band, uh, and the lead singer of that one, he still tours, he still does stuff, but will not play tainted love. I, I challenge anyone first off i don't even know who to remember his name yeah i challenge anyone if you remember his name to name me another song that they did that makes you go to his show yeah because i'll yeah. tell you right now i go to that show and it, it you don't play tainted love you and i me and the promoter you owe me my my whatever amount of money i'm about to pay for this show because that's the only yeah. i paid 20 dollars to see you play one song that's really all i came here for. yeah yeah there's a, another funny story. This was this was a number of years ago, but I went and saw. Um, uh, I, I I went on a date. I took this girl to see um, a boy band, and they they did a they did a version of um, that song Sukiyaki. You know, it's all because of you. Oh yeah, da, yeah. Da, da, da. right. So they had their boy band version of it. So in the course of a concert, this, this is the other side. They opened with it. They played it right after intermission. And they closed with it. They played it three times. Just fucking fill that right on in there. We're getting our money's worth out of this fucking payment. It's we like, paid for this. We're going to get our money's out of there this. Was, there was no doubt. There was no doubt on, on anybody on that stage exactly what people had had paid this, you know, paid to come and come here. It's all because of you. Yeah, exactly. I'm all for all for not. That was the name of that boy band. All for not. Yeah. I, I've only ever. So I've ran into like. So living up in upstate New York, uh, I tell this to people all the time. You don't know who's around the corner. Like, mm -hmm. uh, what's her name? Uh, 10,000 Maniacs. Um, God, what heck's her name? Uh, lead singer of 10,000 Maniacs. She used to date the lead uh, singer. That uh, That's not Natalie Merchant, is it? Yes, no. Natalie Merchant. Is it? I, I used to work for a very predominant passenger railroad company. Okay. And... I've seen her sitting right in the middle of the train with around a thousand other people. Well, not a thousand because the train didn't hold that much, but yeah. you know, 300 other people. And I'm going like in my mind, I'm going, do you know who that is? Do you know who that is? Do you know who she used to date? She yeah. dated the lead singer REM. Y'all know that, right? Yeah. And I want to do that and I can't do it, but I'm like, and everybody's like, and I'm coming back with the other people I work with. Like, Guess who's up there? This, this, she's up there, and they're like, yeah. "Who?" I'm like, yeah. "Isn't that? Isn't that like? I think that's like the perfect level of famous, right? Right? Like, because she's got she she made her money, she established herself as a completely legitimate and viable Absolutely. creative artist. Got a chance to do probably travel the world, but she can freely roam the streets mm -hmm. of." Almost any yes. town USA, and unless there's like a, a ten thousand maniacs sort of like like you know like John Hughes has a neighborhood in Chicago, so I guess there might be ten thousand maniacs drive where she can't huh. hang out. But every place else, yeah, she's, she's good. Fine. Yeah, she's good. She's good. You know, um, I think yeah. that's like kind of the sweet spot. Yeah, she's probably sitting in it. The other one that we used to, but you know what? I I there's a I still. I have often said I could do a couple of shows with people I've worked with uh, over at that job. I no longer work at it, but I have a lot of respect for the people I work with. But um, 
like I've had what uh, let's see. Well, definitely had Jennifer Lawrence on work on my on my train and God. She's she's as pretty as she is in person as she is on yeah. TV. Yeah. But who really uh and I've told my my wife knows this, so I'm safe in that aspect. Um <laughs> Do you ever watch NCIS? NCIS, the original uh, NCIS. I, no, I've never seen. No. Uh-uh. If you ever get a chance to watch the original, there was a woman on the show. She played a character named Ziva, who was supposed to okay. be like Israeli police department that was working with okay. the naval criminal. I had her on my on my train. Stunningly beautiful woman that was like. But then I've also had the butler from uh, the TV show The Nanny. <laughs> <laughs> and I've had John Carroll Lynch, uh, <laughs> Kathy. Uh, God, I can't think of her last name. She played the bar owner in uh, Indiana Jones in the uh, Temple in the uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. The one who owned the bar and was doing all the shots. Yeah, Car- Karen uh, Karen Gillen, I think is her name. Okay, bro, she is the nicest lady you're ever gonna meet. Yeah, yeah, she is the nicest lady. I've had all kinds of folks, but so I mean, I love what you're doing. I know we just kind of went off. I make a lot of left turns in this show. I apologize. That's okay. It's what That's we okay. do. That's why it's like sitting at a bar with a jackass like me. No, it's fun. It's, <laughs> it's, 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 it's very fun. I mean, so I always like to ask musicians this. You get a shot to work with. Well, actually, I'll switch it up for you because we've been okay. doing, I've done this. I did this question with a good buddy of mine, Rick, and we went and we asked three artists that if they could still be alive today, who are they? I'm throwing you under the bus for a minute. And if you just give me one, I'm, I'm perfectly acceptable with that. Who are they? Why? And would they still be relevant? So like mine were uh, Janis Joplin. Um, God, I don't have a brain fart right now. Janis Joplin was one that I thought, you know, I think she would end up being on like the voice as like a coach or something yeah. like that. Like yeah. she would have still been relevant in that way. Um, the other one was Kurt Cobain, who I think would have fallen off the face of the earth and just wouldn't have been, uh, relevant at all. It might've been with like Nova Selleck doing like different types of like activist type stuff. Cause a lot of people don't realize he was actually a big activist when he was alive. Yeah. was another one, but, uh, and then, uh, not Al green, but, um, God, why is my brain not working right now? This is. This is what happens to me. But uh, do you have any artists that you say, hey, I think if this person was still around today, I think they would still be relevant? Yeah. Well, I mean, one of the first ones that comes to mind for me would be um, would be the great Donny Hathaway, because I just think that that voice is is completely timeless and was is the basis for like the modern vocals of so much soul R&B um you know pop in in that kind of category it's just i just don't see i don't see that ever having losing any kind of momentum um from a talent standpoint i think i think whitney houston you know i think you think she would still be relevant i do i i do because it's just i mean think about she's like the first name that they all list like every pop you know female pop vocalist they all listen to Whitney. they want to be with me yeah, I mean Adele. There would be no Adele if there hadn't been Whitney. You know what I mean? Um, I just, God, you know, th- those are those are two that that come to mind kind of 
just off the top of my head. Um, yeah, it, it would have been, it would have been interesting to see some of them. Um, I, I would have, I would have also been interested to see how Amy Winehouse's. That's what I was saying, Amy, when you, as soon as you said career, Adele, I think if, have you ever watched that documentary folks, if you're still hanging with us, thank you so much. Cause we're, we're getting into nerd shit right now. A little bit of music <laughs> nerd shit for a moment. I, I tell people this all the time. I'm, I can't play an instrument if it meant my life, but I had, I see, I had amazing music influences. I had two uncle Mike's. Okay. One's still with me. One has passed away. My Everybody uncle needs Mike, an uncle Mike. <laughs> they do. My, my uncle Mike who passed away owned every iteration of a Beatles album ever created, whether it was in vinyl, whether it was green vinyl, whether it was digital, whether it was a CD remastered and went to Berkeley on a full ride as a musician. Yeah. But that'll tell you the level of talent, but he was also the guy who always thought he was going to hit it big and never did. Um, he actually, I was just telling this story to somebody the other day. I was probably 13 or 14 years old. And here's something as a kid, Jeff, you'll appreciate that you don't appreciate shit when it's happening till you're older. Yeah. I watched a James Brown sound check at age oh 13 or 14 years old at Pier 6 Pavilion in Baltimore, where I grew up, because my uncle and his band, Tom Wright and the Rainmakers, Tom is still with us, had won a Battle of the Bands contest to open for James Brown. There was a limousine with a hot tub in the back of it. I promise you that. I still remember yeah. it. Um, <laughs> but I watched this sound check with James Brown, whole, like, everything going on mm. and going. And as a kid, I'm like, just play the music. I don't understand this. Mm-hmm. Looking back now, I'm like, ass. Like, I would look at 13 year old man and be like, asshole, do you understand what you're watching? Do you understand what you're seeing right yeah. now? You don't yeah. get that understanding. So I had that uncle for that piece. And then my other uncle was very Led Zeppelin, Van Halen, very much that rock era. He's about 10, he's, well, he's 10 years older. No, he's eight years older than me. Eight yeah. years older than me. So as I was coming up, he's 18. I'm 10 years old. He's got the, you know, the stack stereo system with the speakers bigger than my head. And he's like turning it up. It goes up to 11. And, <laughs> you know, and I got this vibe out of the music. So I, I just, I, when I get into this whole music piece, but Amy, have you watched the documentary about her? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. How I got to ask, man, like, did your heart hurt like just watch? Like I, as a parent, I watched that and I'm going, as a dad, I just wanted to hug her and just be like, it's okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, in my mind, like artists are divided into two categories. Historical artists are, are uh, divided into two categories. So on the one hand, you have people that, in, in my opinion, represented like a seed change like where literally music was going this direction and now it's going this direction. Kurt Cobain. Right. So I actually don't have Kurt Cobain in that category. I have Kurt Cobain in a different category. I have Kurt Cobain in the time place, perfect moment. Okay. For, for what he was and what he did. Right. And so it's, it like, he's what I call a convergence artist where these things, all these different factors in the world converged at the same time and place to make 
what he was doing, not only like um, viable and visible, but actually like kind of blow up from there. Um, and so like, as I think back and I think, I don't think either one or the other is more significant than the, than the past. I just think that like with Amy Winehouse, that was a seed, she was a seed change artist. Like, like she just took these elements of, from these different genres and then coupled with her talent and her approach and her sound and all this oh, stuff. So... And all of a sudden it's just like, now, now we're, now we're going over here and all these other artists were able to kind of piggyback on top of, of what was happening there. Um, with, with Kurt Cobain, with Nirvana, there were other bands at that same time that also benefited from similar, similar environmental factors some of which had a, a huge Im impact on music like Pearl Jam, others of which um, were mostly time and place like Stone Temple Pilots, right? Perfect, so they're like, they're like most, mostly captured in that place, not the lo same longevity. So, you know, when, when, I th when I think about things that way, that's kind of like your question about would they still be relevant? Well, to me, the ones that represented a sea change where then a whole bunch of other people were then going that way. I don't think those artists, you know, Aretha never was never out of out of right. vogue because she was Aretha, right? Like she literally, it was like now, you know, now a, a, a black woman can go on and sing this kind of music with this much just character power. and person and power and control, and it's cool and people love it, and all of a sudden that gives permission to, you know, all these all these other things to happen. So, I don't know. I don't know if that makes any sense but no it does make sense know. it does yeah. make sense because because like i i love adele um i even like adele 30 which to me is kind of like okay i i i'm i like adele 30 um but i think you put adele and amy next to each other amy wins every time yeah i i, I think it's a different thing i mean uh but i think I like adele wants to be amy yeah, I, I I like to imagine what it was like the first time that like a label or producers heard Adele sing. You know, right. I mean, I just I just imagine, you know, one of them like turning to the other and go, we're all going to be so rich. Yeah, right. <laughs> <You> right. <know>? <laughs> like <laughs> this shit just we we just won the lottery, gentlemen. What's that? That's, you pl that's, turn, play that shit yeah. again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, that's she's just she, she was she was such a transcendent vocal talent, right? Um, the problem there, in my opinion, I've never met her, I've never talked to her. My, my, uh, my uh, input is, is not it's remotely- just, We're two assholes who know nobody. Better just <laughs> look, um, relax, folks. But um, I don't think she had people around her taking care of her to preserve that instrument. And I'm just yes. talking from, from a physiological and-, and um, you know, this is the, the voice teacher side of me coming out. Like um, somebody needed to, to pull her so aside. I'm not crazy like, then. I'm no, not no, crazy no. when I hear, when I hear a distinct difference. No, 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 no. She's, she, she's had, a, she's had a lot of problems. Some of it was lifestyle choices. Some of it was just, she just, they weren't guarding the instrument early enough. They were, she was singing too much. She was, she was touring too much. Um, she was ubiquitous. You know, the first, couple years that she was out and um that's not sustainable that's not a way to build a career so 
Um, but on the flip side, like you've got someone like Amy Winehouse, who is much more involved in, in the crafting of her sound, right. Of the artistry of the sound. Um, Adele's is very, very clearly put together almost uh, surgically, almost surgically put together. Right. Like they did it. I think it was 60 minutes or 2020 did a story a couple years ago about how they make Adele songs. Right. And it's like, the piano comes in here and it's played at this register and it's this kind of thing. And then the drums come in here and like, it is crafted to do exactly what it does to leave most of us on a heap, you know, crying on the floor, <laughs> calling our exes. On our I cell phone. love like, you. I miss you. That's, that's exactly I'm what sorry. it's supposed to do. Right. Common human emotion. She's tapped into, you know, she tapped into that stuff. She plugged right into it. Um, but it's that's a different thing than Amy Winehouse. Amy Winehouse was a lot more interested in creating uh, her yeah. own universe musically. You know, I, um, I just feel like Amy was like, like Amy was. I get that vibe. Like every move you've ever watched, where the jazz singer is on stage and walks off, and after the song is played, and walks right to the bar. And some bar fly, like, I'm going to buy you a drink. And she takes the drink and before she ever sips it, throws it in his face. And, like, he gets mad and the bar bouncers carry him away. That's Amy to me. Like, that's that yeah. every vibe I get from her is that, like, gritty, leave me to fuck alone. I yeah. got this. That's Amy to me. Oh, yeah. So yeah I, I think from a personality standpoint, and again, I've never met either one of them, but right. from a personality standpoint, I actually think Amy Winehouse was probably more like a young Alas Morissette. Mm. Like, I think that, that was probably more kind of her. Yeah, no, that's, that makes sense. You know but what I mean? the dad and me wanted to hug her after watching that documentary. Yeah, I mean, it's just such a uh, such a, a tragic thing. But um, and then the other the other artist I would mention, just because I think she's the greatest singer who ever, who ever lived was Eva Cassidy. I, I just... You know that that's a musician that never. I'm a Cass. No, that, no, no. Oh, no. I don't know who Eva Cassidy is. Who's Eva? You Cassidy? would. You would. Um, her her rendition of uh, "Somewhere Over the Rainbow" has been played. I don't know, two hundred billion times or whatever. It's. Um, she was. Uh, she was a singer, songwriter, guitarist. She played kind of blues and acoustic stuff and a couple of jazz songs and everything. And she died very young. She was in her early thirties. Oh my God, she's from, she's from Bowie, Maryland. <clears throat> yeah, and um. Died in 96. There's a really great documentary. I think it's called Songbird uh, about It's her. funny you say that. It is called Songbird. It popped right up. Yeah. So I looked yeah. her name up real quick because I'm like, I don't know this name offhand. It says uh, yeah. jazz, folk, and blues. I, brother, you and I, because like I could make a hard left turn on you. I would love to get into I, – I keep saying I'm going to do this whole entire after <laughs> show thing because you and I can get into – I can't stand country music. I would rather mm-hmm. take it take a sharp stick in the ear than listen to country music, but I love bluegrass. Okay, and I think that those are two different things. Very in, different, yeah. In, Very in different. my mind, like there's an artist named Tyler Childers, who I love. He is amazing. Yeah, um, and have his, you ever checked out like Nickel Creek and some of that kind of acousticy? I you know I may have like I have an entire channel on my uh, Pandora. Yeah, it's just all bluegrass. It's a Tyler Childers channel. Um, yeah. 
and we can so god see this is one of those things i love like music put it this way when you and i get done talking i'll look over at my google and i'll say and i can't say it because she listens to everything. She's listening to you. She listens to everything. Yeah. And I'll yeah. and I'll mention play playing Rolling Stones on Pandora because I got an entire thing of Rolling Stones. It always plays the band. It always plays Rolling Stones. It plays yeah. CCR. It plays all these artists that I think one of the things we've lost so much in music, my opinion, is harmonized male harmonies in <laughs> in music or is one of those things that is kind of gone away uh ben eva cassidy amazing jeff baker knows his stuff he he does i i love this because i'm not that he's got an education in music he's a music teacher voice teacher he's got the talent jeff you're you're bringing these young artists up i'm very impressed by it and and i don't get the vibe of and i mean this with a lot of love i don't get the scummy vibe you know, I don't get that uh, Phil Spector kind of like, you know, crack the whip, make the music. We're going to be all rich. I don't get that vibe. I get the vibe from you of here's a guy who loves music, loves to see people succeed, loves to hear hear their sound and wants them to be successful. And we really thank you here at the bar for that kind of passion. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. I am, um, uh, you know, I'm, I made a bunch of mistakes the first time I ever made a record, <laughs> I had, uh, I, I did a lot of things wrong. Right. And, um, life is about taking that stuff and learning from success and failure. And if you're smart and if you're thoughtful, you extract those things out, right. You reduce them down to their, to their basic, like optimized value. And then, when you get into teaching or you have an opportunity to mentor um, you take those things and you bring them out and you say, look, I don't know what's going to happen, but here is a cautionary tale or here is something that really, really worked well for me or whatever the case may be. And that's the whole, that's the whole point of, of me wanting to do this. I, I haven't played a gig myself of my music in like three years. Oh, wow. Um, so, but knowing that, you know, mentoring was really important to me. And uh, after I stopped teaching full time, wanting that still to be a part of my life, but wanting it to be in this area where I felt like I could impact uh, young musicians a lot, a lot, you know, in a lot more meaningful way. So um, the first conversation I have when I sit down with the artists that we sign is I say, look, Riches and fame are not at the end of this process. <laughs> not for you, not for me. None of us are going to get rich from this. Um, what we can do is we can build a life for you in, in music. We can give you a trajectory, right, that isn't flatlined, but that actually goes to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And I would love in the next five years to be able to have the resources to continue to make additional records with the artists that I'm working with. In other words, it would be great if we sold so many, so many records that we said, all right, let's do this again. Let's run it back. At the same time, if, you know, um, you know, if Sony, Sony calls Taryn tomorrow and they're like, we heard Manic Pixie Dream Girl, it's incredible. Here's $500,000 and a $300,000 advance on your record. 
blah, blah, blah. I'm going to be the first person to throw her that party and celebrate that because that's the point, right? Right. Like the, the point is not, the point is not for her or any of the artists to stay in one place that is their comfort zone and continue there forever. The point is for them to grow and be able to do more with their music if that's what they want to do. So the artists know that they know that that's our goal. They are, they are leveraging my relationships and my experience in the music industry to get a really truly world-class first product into the market and a real clear, I think, um, you know, this is a terrible term, but branding message about no, it's who not they a are and, and who they want to be. Right. Like that's, that's even more important is it's like, like, what, what, what do you want people to think when they hear your music? How do you, what do you want them to feel? That's it's, what we should it's be. It's not a terrible you know, term. It's not a terrible answer. term. It's, not, um, it, it's it, you, you said bandwidth earlier. That is a terrible term. Using, <laughs> that is a terrible term. It's my, I'm going to tell you that now that is a terrible term. What Would if you, I say emotional bandwidth? This is oh still God. bad. Oh, it's even okay. worse. God. All right. You know Just what? Say you don't gonna... have the time. Just say you don't have the time. I don't have no, the, you know what? You know what though? I'm going to use, I'm going to use two more. We'll, uh, we'll circle back and oh dig God. down deeper on this later. Oh, I don't have, have the bandwidth to circle back and dig down deeper on this, but it might. Oh God. Like I heard bandwidth for the first time the other day and I was like, this, this is horrible. And I said to the person, I was like, cause it really honestly thought that they were talking about their internet. I yeah. honestly thought I was like, I was like, what your internet's weak. And they're like, what? I'm like, you said you had not have the bandwidth. And they were like, so, sometimes when I'm, sometimes when I'm, Sometimes when I'm really tired and my brain doesn't go to my my SAT vocabulary words, oh. I just tell people that they're giving me the pinwheel of death, right? Which if you've ever had a I Mac, you that. know exactly what that. And I that's that. the same thing. It's just like we have stopped and we're done. It's all over. Well, look, brother, we're, we're going to get ready to close the bar up here. We've had a I think you and I could probably keep going and keep going. Yeah, um, man. Love I have to afterwards. I have to grab the album that I, I, I purchased today. Uh, I think you'll be proud of me. I think you'll be happy with me. Okay. Jeff, I hope you're proud of me. Um, <laughs> but as always, so folks, look, next, uh, nextmusiccompany.com, and it's all spelled just like it should be, nextmusiccompany.com. You can go on there. If you go uh, backslash artist, you'll see all the artists backslash. Uh, God, I almost brain farted. I almost said sound in studio, and I know that's not right. Story, <laughs> story, story in studio. Story and sound. Uh, you can get it to it there, but you can absolutely get to the rain site from uh, nextmusiccompany.com. Make sure you're checking them out. You have all these amazing artists. Uh, I want everybody who hears this to do me a big favor. Go grab Sam True's album now because Sam kind of got beat up with the pandemic, which isn't cool. So grab, go grab Sam True's album. Get onto that. Taryn Hadfield's album just released a week ago. That thing's amazing. Manic Pixie Dream Girl. Sam, Sammy Silver, we've got February 18th. Hers is going to drop. I, I'm telling you now, get a box of tissues. Turn the <laughs> lights down low and yeah. just be prepared for Sammy. And then what's Alex's last name? Alex Baird. Baird. And then we got yeah. Alex Baird who... Hopefully everything works out. We'll get Alex Baird to come on if we can yeah. do that. Uh, her record that, is called uh, her record's called Lemon Tree. Lemon Tree, and then yep. that'll come on. I'll I'll pour much more alcohol probably for that because if it's a jazzy sound, that just to me jazzy sounds need to be like 
you're drinking and you're like just I mean, yeah, you might have to pull out like a top the top shelf uh might do a top shelf martini or something, I guess. Yeah, I don't I'm a I'm normally a bourbon <laughs> guy, I just haven't picked up any. I'm 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 still doing all right. I've got a bottle of George Dickel sour mash whiskey, so I'm I'm still doing all right, but uh yeah, I might have to do that. Uh yeah. brother, well, I appreciate I, you. I, I appreciate you too, man. If I can just say one more thing, and Please. this is this is really on behalf of like all artists everywhere. Um People need to understand, and we can't say it enough, for for a musician to make the same amount of money that they make from selling you one CD, they have to get 5,200 streams on Spotify. And 5,000? 5,000, 5,200 streams on Spotify to generate the same revenue as they get from you purchasing their album. Um, So the reason I bring that up is because Look, there are a dozen ways from Sunway to Sunday to stream and listen to music, and whatever way is best for you, like in your car, at home, on your uh, uh, Amazon Alexa, whatever you want to do, that's great. Listen to it however you want. But if you're trying to support music and support creatives, you need to buy a physical product and stop thinking about it as, well, I don't listen to CDs. That's not the point. You can listen over here. But support those artists because um, so much the, the micro economy that goes into producing a record at any level is substantial. And it involves not just that musician, but it is engineers, producers, instrumentalists, photographers, graphic designers, um, all of these different pieces that touch, you know, touch points that are, you know, that's what they're doing. They're living off of making these projects and the way that we support those those micro economies is by buying physical products so um i tell people all the time like every year i make a choice to find two kind of independent artists that i'm going to drop 50 bucks a year on their content some way i'm going to buy a shirt i'm going to you know go to their show if they come to town i'm going to buy the cd something along those lines because that is a path forward for them to be able to create a career and an impact for themselves in the music um and so that's that's my kind of parting words. It's just to say, you know, listen how you want, but support the artists and support the music by buying physical product. I love it. Hey, support your podcaster because guess what? I don't make shit on this other, you unless you go to T Public and you buy some of my shirts and you look up the Above the Bar podcast. You can get this sexy face shirt. I love right it. If I can get it's, a ba- it. it's a baseball tee too, which is, is. very I flattering for some of us with alternate alternate body types uh, you know dad bods you know dad bods we like we like baseball tees i'm all about it and jeff you get it to get a, and jeff you get a new tee we'll Woo! talk about that a- after the show but you nice. know what it, it's funny you say that you know i gotta god we were gonna close it. i gotta ask this but is it better to are you producing vinyls for any of these people we will be we will be eventually um like i love vinyls vinyl. Vinyl is impossible to get right now. I mean, the, the, the backlog from the pr- production sites is four to six months. So wow. you, you have to get in line and, and um, you know, and go from there. We, um, we will be doing, uh, I'm pretty sure for sure with Taryn's record and probably Alex's record, we will be doing um, limited edition colored vinyl, which will be really cool. It'll have their own, you know, designs and stuff. And let me know. Um, signed and all that kind of all that kind of good stuff so um but but yeah it's it's been uh 
you know, it's such a, it's such a valuable asset for artists to have um, because it is like the ultimate collector's piece. Um, but yeah, given the, given the production restraints right now with everything, it's, it's, it's been impossible to have that be part you of the plan the in time for, um, in time for the release of their records. So. Yeah, my wheels turning. We're going to talk about something after the show. Nice. We're, we're going to talk about something. I got an idea. I don't know if it's, a, I think it's a good idea, but hell, what the hell yeah. do I know? <laughs> well, folks, look, as I keep saying, make sure you're going on the next music, uh, company.com. It's the same thing on, uh, Facebook. It's the same thing on Instagram, Twitter. It should be. Same yep. thing on Twitter. Should be Same next next Twitter. music co or next music company. Yeah. So so make sure you know if you're in here and you're watching, you're one of our our get one of our loyal listeners, and you're doing all your downloads. Make sure you take the time and you support these folks. If you're new to listening to us and you found us through through Jeff, I ask that you make sure you take a moment you you like follow and subscribe on all of our stuff, our LinkedIn, our Instagram, our YouTube, and our Facebook and our Twitch are all the above the bar podcast. Our our Gmail is the above the bar podcast at gmail.com. The only one that I always say is different is our Twitter is at above the bar four number four. I don't know. It's, Twitter doesn't love me. Um, <laughs> I just think my name's too long for them. Twitter doesn't love any of us. Yeah, no, <laughs> unless you're the guy who that's a whole other thing. The M NFT $4 million tweet bullshit, whatever. Uh, but Make sure you're supporting all of us. If you're listening to us for the first time on, on YouTube, please make sure you subscribe. Eventually, I hope my YouTube, I can get enough to where I can change my YouTube name. Like, that's a whole nother conversation. YouTube, like, I got to have, like, all kinds of alphabet at the end of my shit. But it's a pain in the ass. Yeah. yeah. But as I always, always, always do, and this is important to me, as the guest, you get the last word and don't log off after this is all over. Cause we got to talk. <laughs> all right. So you get the last word, Jeff. What is the last word? The last word, man, is uh, support, 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 independent artists, support, independent podcasters. Um, make sure that you understand the impact that, um, that your resources have on the broader economy. Cause that's really, I mean, we, we all have one vote every couple of years and that's definitely important, but really, how we impact and make change and affect things that are important is our affiliations and the things that we choose to support with our time and our resources. So do that. Find independence that you believe in and support what they're doing. Alrighty, folks, be sure to push your stool in. This has been an earplug podcast presentation found on earplugpodcast.com, iTunes, SoundCloud, and wherever your favorite podcasts are found.